And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You are listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about today's issues from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. We ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Here's your host, Wade Lentz and Harold Smith. All right, welcome to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. Glad you're listening to us today. My name is Wade Lentz. I'm the pastor at Barrel Baptist Church in Bologna, Arkansas, and I'm joined with my good friend, co-host, Harold Smith. Harold, are you dressed for the weather today? I have a V-neck T-shirt on, but I'm, <laughs> you I'm haven't not, been outside then. I'm not far from the wood stove either, so yeah, it's yeah. a good day to be indoors. There you go. I, I think they're saying a high today is 33. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is uh this is cold for us Southerners for yeah. sure. Wind chill was in the uh, single digits this morning, and wow, not not used to it. I'm, I, I was glad to get it, though. Believe it or not, last week I swatted a mosquito. Oh, I had a mosquito flying around my head. I was working on some stuff, and I thought, you got to be kidding me. This is middle of January. I should not have to be swatting mosquitoes. And yeah. um, every time that happens, I always get mad at those people that want summer all the time. You know, I'm like, if you oh, yeah. want that, go live in California where they offer that. If you want to live like an American, you know, and have four seasons the way God intended, wait your turn. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be swatting mosquitoes in the dead of winter. Yes. It's one of those insects that you get to heaven. You may ask the Lord, Lord, why did you create the mosquito? Yeah. So I'm sure it's just part of the curse. Well, I don't think they got on the ark. I think they survived in the swamps outside. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. <laughs> very, very true. You've been doing some hunting this, uh, this January. Few, yeah. I've killed a few ducks. That's, that's really about all I, I hunt this time of year and I'm not a big duck hunter, but I, I, I've got a few ponds here on our farm and, and they hold a few ducks. So usually you can go hunt them and get you a limit. And then the, after that, they're not very good for a couple of weeks. So I hit them all about two weeks ago. And, um, now I'm just, I'm, I'm liking this cold weather. Maybe it'll freeze some Northern ducks up and push them down here. And that's what mm-hmm. we, what we really need. What about you? Well, what have you been doing? Wow. Seminary just started back. So wrapping my mind around the new semester, the the spring semester. And uh, so far, it has been great. It has been tremendous. So. It's good to have smart friends like you. So if I have <laughs> questions, I don't have to go to seminary. I can just ask you. No, no, I, I'm not smart at all. That's smart aleck, maybe, is what my wife says. But uh, So is the seminary avoiding Omicron? You know, my wife's a school teacher and half her class is missing for Omicron. And I was talking to some teachers at uh, church last night and they said their school same way. One high school teacher said that her absentee rate is 71%. So 71% of her students 
are not at school for either quarantine or fear of catching Omicron. Um, I had Omicron. I, I assume I did. My wife and son had it. Uh, I didn't test, but we all lived together uh, last week. I had a runny nose just like they did, but that's basically all the symptoms we had. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess to my y'all knowledge, To my knowledge, I have not had it. Um, my dad has got it. Uh, my brother's wife, my sister-in-law. It's it's going around here like wildfire, just like everywhere else. But fortunately, fortunately, it is much less severe than the original variant. And uh, I was talking to uh, somebody that's in the medical field just earlier this week, and all the studies are showing that we're at the tail end of this pandemic, right. um, where it looks like when you look at the numbers, you think, oh, my, it's never going to end. But actually, all the studies are showing that we're at the tail end of it, and pretty soon it's just going to be a seasonal-type sickness, just like the flu is. Right. Yeah, it's it's <clears> definitely <throat> much milder. I had COVID in September, or no, October of 2020, and it, it was, the symptoms were not bad for me then either, but I got to say this here was just my usual runny nose. Matter of fact, my whole family, you know, in the wintertime, especially when you're swatting mosquitoes in January, Mm-hmm. you will have a runny nose because we just don't handle the weather change well. So we didn't right. think anything about it. And then my son ran a fever one evening and, hey, I'm going to go get tested. And I got it. My wife, well, I guess I better test. I got it. You better test. I'm like, I don't have to stick a cotton swab down my nose. If y'all both have it, you know, we've all been in the same house for a week. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I probably have what you have, you know. Sure, and here's sure. the funny thing about it, though, Wade. When we had COVID in 2020, it was 10 days, no contact, isolation uh, from the time you test positive. Mm-hmm. Now, it's you could test and test positive, and it's five days quarantine from when your symptoms started. And you don't have to be symptom-free. You just have to be improving to come out of quarantine. And I'm like, well, I mean, there has to be an admission here that – this is not nearly as serious as the first round of COVID, and the government's recognizing that. The lax standards on quarantine is, is clearly indicative of that, and yeah, most of the people that I know of right now that are really struggling hard with symptoms don't have the Omicron variant. They have a earlier form. Sure, so sure. Did I'm you ready by to chance hear of uh, President Biden's, I guess it was a news conference, you could say? I it haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, it was horrible. Yeah. As a matter of fact, e- even the liberal media is talking about, oh, my goodness, keep that man inside, <laughs> away from the media. He was absolutely all over the place. He could not keep his train of thought. And, uh, you know, and, and this administration is really struggling over this uh, this pandemic because he promised yeah. we're going to get this thing under under control. The most voted for president in American history. Can you believe yes. that more Americans than any other time wanted this man to be their leader? Can you believe that? Uh, it's hard to believe. <laughs> hard to believe. 81 million votes. I, I don't see it. If but. 81 million of our fellow citizens think this guy can properly lead the country, our country's in trouble. Well, no longer do they feel that way, being that the poll numbers uh, he's so so low. He's in the 30s for approval. Mm. ratings and uh so where, what happened to that 81 million votes all of a sudden i'd like to meet the 30 percent that actually approve of him 
Yeah. That's one out of three. Can you imagine <laughs> one out of three people that you're going to encounter? Boy, ain't yeah. he great. Ain't this wonderful. It, isn't yes. America better now with him? Right. I can't imagine one of they the are Americans feeling that way. Who did they yeah. ask? It is it's crazy. But, you know, they watch CNN and, and they believe what they watch. Crazy stuff. Well, that's why we need to get on today's topic, make masculinity great again. And since you're the educated expert in the field, Wade, I get to play question <laughs> asker and you get to play answer giver. So oh, wow, wow! what I really want to do is uh, I want to pick your brain. And here's why, because honest to goodness, <clears throat> this is a subject that I really don't know anything about. Um, you do. I, I probably do, but you're, you're a man's man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of the field, but the, the thing about it is for me though, is I've been asked before to, to speak on this topic. I've been invited to come to a conference and preach on biblical masculinity. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I mean, you can't make people into a John Wayne. You're either a John Wayne or, or you're not, you know, mm -hmm. you're either a Jacob or an Esau. I, I don't understand the topic. And so I, I guess that's why when you told me what you want to talk about, I was like, I'm all interested because I'm, I'm really ignorant. And this is why I make friends with seminary students so I can learn without having to pay the fee and <laughs> listen to professors talk all day. Yeah, so let's start off with this one. Why do you feel <laughs> that masculinity is no longer great in America? I mean, what are the symptoms, I guess, of an absence of biblical masculinity? Well, I mean, just look around at our society today. Look at America, the Western world. And it's very quick to see that if America does not reestablish this thing of biblical manhood or biblical masculinity, then we are going to dissolve as a nation. We're going to crumble. And I say that because we have lost, for the most part, what it means to be a man today. And not just any man, but a biblical, God-fearing man. And it, it's really quite evident. It's easy to see if you're, if you're really looking for it. Uh, because we're, we're living in a, in a society where you have this growing hostility in, in our post-modern world towards God. But also, we have this growing hostility toward his biblical order of creation. That's, that's clearly laid out in scripture and their primary target as of the last, really the last 40 years is man, especially manliness and masculinity that should characterize every godly man. And, and you're right. Not everybody's going to have a John Wayne, uh, character trait, but every man should have masculinity should have the qualities that men should have as, as God created them. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later, but. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Are we talking about like, and I, I'm just trying to, I, I'm trying to, to, to lay this out. Are we talking about like in world war two, all the men went off to war and we called that the greatest generation of all time. And now if we were to have a, a world war, we couldn't, we couldn't even have a draft, mm -hmm. much less find any men that would be willing to go and arm up and and and, and cross the Atlantic or the Pacific and fight for someone's freedom. Sure. So that's basically what we're dealing with is why America needs this this masculinity that we had a few generations back. 
Absolutely. That, that's certainly a part of it. And, uh, you know, if we had to go back to a draft today, it, it would be scary to have 18-year-olds in our society uh, having to train how to fight uh, because, for the most part, it's just not in them. Yeah. Uh, that's not part of their environment. It's not a part of their culture. And, uh, yeah, that, that's one aspect of it that's where other nations, especially China and Russia, they're raising men in the military. Yeah. They're raising tough, uh, rugged soldiers where our military is so woke yeah. and so uh, culturally uh, fashioned to the world that uh, we, we're becoming more and more soft. And there, there's not a nation in the world that can survive with that mindset. So how would you define biblical masculinity then? I mean, if we're going to we're going to talk about this, lay down <clears> some <throat> parameters there. Let me let me first of all say that the attack that we're seeing on biblical masculinity is satanic in nature, okay? Because Satan knows that men are to be the shepherds of their families. Satan knows that men are to be the leaders in their churches. They are to really guide their nation. Uh, and this is one of the reasons our country is in the shape that she is in, because for the most part, man uh, masculinity has seemingly vanished from uh, from our culture. And so what's what's happened? Well, more and more families are raising their children in a single parent home without any influence of a father. Uh, there is an ever growing number of churches that are handing over their leadership from men to women. And Harold, you, you know this, um, broken homes produce broken churches and broken churches produce a broken nation. Yeah. And so this attack on godly masculinity and godly manhood is ultimately an attack from Satan himself because he knows that if you, if you take away the leadership of the home and the leadership of the church, then the nation as a whole will crumble. And what was your question again on that? How would you define biblical masculinity? So what does that look like? I mean, you clearly laid out the absence of it, but it's one thing to be to tell us what you're against. It's another to tell us what you're for. So yeah. lay out for us what biblical masculinity is. I mean, are we just talking about a church full of men? Are we talking about a two, you know, a, a mom sure. and dad home? Um, right. Well, Certainly, you don't want to get your definition of manhood from Hollywood. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's an obvious thing, but that's really what's being pushed upon our children today is the Hollywood sitcoms and and the movies. Uh, that is what is being instilled into our children today. But if anyone wants to know what godly masculinity looks like, well, we should go then to to the most reliable source, and that's God's word. And if you look at the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, God very plainly lays out. He defines biblical manhood. And he, he says to Adam that he is to be a leader. Men are to be leaders. Uh, Adam was, he was to take care of the garden. He was to oversee it. He was the husbandman of the garden. And so think about that. For him to do this, to be the caretaker, required Adam to have wisdom. It required Adam to have uh, initiative. 
decisiveness, uh, courage, and uh, personal involvement. And think about all those things that's missing from the average man today. How many men have true wisdom? How many men have initiative today? Uh, we have men in our church who are uh, managers of businesses, and they cannot find men who will come up and, and work an eight-hour day. There's no initiative today. Yeah. Um, where's the courage of men? And then also the personal involvement it takes to be a man. Uh, so men are called to be leaders in Genesis chapter 2. Also, God said to, to Adam that he was to be a protector. He was to protect the garden. He was to protect his home. He was to protect his wife. That's our role as well. We are to be a protector of our children, our wives, but also Adam was to be a provider. He was to work hard. And uh, again, we're seeing this vanish before our eyes where men work hard. I tell my boys, I say, look, you may not be the smartest on your job, but you can outwork. You can outwork those yeah. whom you work with and you can climb that uh, ladder of success in that area if you just work hard. So so biblical manhood <clears throat> differs from Hollywood masculinity and that what we're basically talking about is a man fulfilling his biblical role as the head of household, mm -hmm. as, as the one who's <clears throat> willing to go out and do man things. In other words, we're not talking about him being a John Wayne. You know, right. He doesn't have to walk in and slap the school bully across the face and, and be like new sheriff in town. That's not the kind of manhood we're talking about. We're just talking about, or what you're describing, I guess, is someone who will get up and go to work and provide for their family. Someone who will be a father to their children and a husband to their wife. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and not, not giving that role over to their wife, uh, being personally involved in the leadership of the home as well as, as the church, how many men, and I've seen this at being a pastor for 25 years, are satisfied by allowing a woman to teach Sunday school yeah. or a woman to do any other leadership because they just don't want to be involved. Well, that that is a horrible, horrible testimony, uh, and, and you are dereliction of your duty as a man. Yeah. Uh, God has, did not call you to hand over your role to women. Well, you bring up a good point. You know, there's all these women in church and there's a lack of men in church. Of course, you know, healthy churches are not that way. Healthy churches have a, a healthy balance of men and women and young and old and mm -hmm. of all ethnicities. But how would, how do we make masculinity great again? Do we just start having a Sunday school class on how to be men? Do we start saying, do we go back to having the quote unquote men's prayer breakfast? you know, where we get together and scramble eggs and cook up some sausage and gravy and all the men get together and we teach the young boys how to be men. I mean, what does this look like? How do we dig our way out of where we're at? Well, those, those are great things to do. And I, and I would recommend that ever so often to have a men's fellowship. Uh, in times past, we have had men's fellowship where we uh, skeet shoot. Uh, we do manly things, even though not every not everybody's going to be a marksman like, like you are, you know, you skeet uh, with a, with a rifle, you know, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, but those are things that you need to do as, as a pastor, you need to plan for those things. 
you need to preach ever so often on what does a godly man look like and how it differs from what you see on TV. Yeah. And uh, maybe have a special conference for men on uh, masculinity, godly masculinity, uh, instead of avoiding it. Most of the time, pastors, we just don't even talk about it. And so when we don't talk about it, somebody else will define it for us. And that's the whole problem is that our young men are being taught what masculinity is from a worldly perspective and it's having its effect. Yeah. One of my big complaints, if, if you don't speak on these kind of things periodically is the world speaks on them. So if you're just, if your kids are just watching TV and sitting in a, in a sermon twice a week, they're seeing the dads on television who are a bunch of idiots. You know, they can't make decisions. They're stupid. They're out of touch with society. The kids make fun of them. You know, the wife knows they're dumb and they're mm-hmm. basically the Hollywood dad on TV is not Ward Cleaver anymore. You know, it's yeah. not father yeah. knows best anymore. It's now the Hollywood dad on TV is kind of just a big dummy that, you know, really needs to get out of the way and let the kids and the women handle things. Yeah, exactly. And, I I see that being what's shaping society more and more and more. Absolutely. And and if we don't get back to reclaiming this masculinity from a biblical perspective, then again, our society will continue to crumble. And uh, because it cannot survive with with women in leadership. Yeah. And uh, and that's just I I know that sounds feminist and all of that, but that's just the truth. That's not God's design. And uh, society cannot sustain itself. But when you think about manliness, there there is a scripture, a couple of scriptures that uh, I'm reminded of in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 1. I want to read that to you. This is King David. He's getting ready to die. And so you think about, you know, the last words of of any dying man is very important. But really, the last words of a dying king, very important. And it's recorded for us what he tells his son, Solomon. He tells him in first Kings chapter two and verse one, it says, when David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Keep charge of the Lord, your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as they are written in the law of Moses. But you think about that. He tells Solomon, hey, show yourself a man. Be a man. And you think about the significance of who is speaking this, uh, who is given this authoritative declaration to his son. It is none other than the King David. I mean, he is a manly Man, you think about his days as a young shepherd. You think about the days of uh, of him watching his father's uh, sheep as a young man. He was strong physically. The Bible tells us, Harold, that uh, killed a bear and a lion with his with his uh, bare hands, with his own hands. And then we see him as a young soldier. How he he was the only one who stood up to the giant Goliath. When Israel's army would not, and when King Saul would not, here young David stood up to the giant and slew him and killed him. So if if anybody had the right to tell his son to be a man, absolutely David had that right, and he did. And and so if you could just put that in the modern day vernacular, 
David is telling his son, hey, man up, be a man. And then also we think about uh, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, where the apostle Paul, he writes to the uh, Corinthian church and he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith and act like men and be strong. And again, you think about what the apostle Paul had to go through, uh, how in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that uh, five times he received at the hands of Jews, 40 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. Uh, he had frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people. He goes on and on. But the apostle Paul continued to preach. He continued to uh, declare the gospel regardless of all the danger. And so here's a man saying to the Corinthian men, the Corinthian church, hey, be watchful, stand stand firm in the faith, and act like men. If anybody had the authority to say that, the apostle Paul yeah, did. And so those are those are some key biblical men that we can look at and glean from as as godly masculinity. So if we're if we're gonna tell our young boys to act like men, like David does, like Paul does, other than scripture itself, what resources would you recommend? Are there any are there good books on this? I remember a guy sending me a book one time and uh, he was like, you need to read this and teach it to your church. And I don't even remember the name of it, but you might say it in your, if you've got a list or some things that you would recommend. Yeah, I have a, a list of books that is very helpful on this topic that I'll, I'll list in our, uh, our Facebook comments uh, below, but uh, Reenchanting Humanity by Dr. Owen Strand. Uh, Douglas Wilson wrote a great book on the future men raising boys to fight giants. Um, uh, Stuart Scott, Biblical Manhood and Masculinity, uh, Leadership and Decision Making. Those are some great resources that I think would be helpful to any pastor, any any father who is, who is raising men yeah. today, raising boys to be men. Yeah, I, I think the main thing is We've got kids today that can operate a thousand dollar coffee machine, but they can't pull start a three hundred dollar lawnmower. Yeah, you right. know, and so our kids are are majoring in what we've allowed them to spend their time doing. Mm-hmm. And if we don't invest some time in these kids and and get them to do, I mean, not that everybody has to mow their own lawn, but they need to know how to mow their own lawn. Right. They may right. not do it, but they need to know how. They need kids need to know how to change a flat tire. Yes. Um, yeah. I when saw my... a picture on Facebook. Uh, I think it was Facebook or might have been Instagram somewhere. There were uh, three womanly looking men watching a real woman change their tire because they didn't know how. Oh, and uh, I thought, man, may that never be for me if I have a son. Of course, I taught my yeah. boy how to change a tire and, right. and do those things. But I think by and large, and it probably goes back to, you know, the original problem we've got. We've got boys growing up in homes where there is no male influence. Mm-hmm. And right. so, you right. know, it would probably be good of men to take these kind of boys under their wing and take them and do some, like you said earlier, some men things. If the church has events like that, mm-hmm. uh, that would be a good opportunity to put boys around men and show them how men act. And, uh, and right. then, of course, right. those resources you recommend. Yes. Yeah, there's times where I tell my older 
teenagers, you know, when they don't want to do certain things and they're complaining about certain things, I say, hey, guys, just just think about it. 150 years ago, uh, a 16-year-old would be chewing tobacco and fighting in the Civil War. So you don't have it as bad as you think you do. Yeah. But it takes teaching and it takes molding. And um, it is, you know, not every person is going to like guns. Not every person is going to like hunting. But there are qualities that every man should have that doesn't have to include those things. Yeah. And uh, and so biblically, again, you got to be a provider. you got to be a protector. And you have to be a leader. Focus on those things, and then everything else will will fall in in place. I think that's a I think that's a good word, and I think it's a a timely reminder for preachers. You know, I, you and I are both verse by verse expositors. That's our preferred thing to do is preach through a book of the Bible. But in between those books, I always try to include topics, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think you're all over it today on this topic. I think in between some of those books that we're covering, we ought to take some time and talk about men being men and mm-hmm. men raising men, because clearly that's being dropped, not just in society, but even within the church. So, right, right. Uh, I'll give you an A plus on your paper, Wade. Oh, I think man. you did good. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, that's coming from a guy that barely <laughs> escaped high school. <laughs> If the thought of me repeating hey. my 12th year wasn't there, they probably would have kept me back. But the idea of keeping me for another year, they're like, no, nah, we'll just let him go on out into the world. I will take your A plus for sure. <laughs> wow. Well, that's going to conclude our uh, podcast today. I hope uh, the subject of making masculinity great again has appealed to you. It's been enlightening for me, and uh, it, it's really caused me to think about where we are in in America and society and the absence of men doing the things the Bible tells men to do. And that clearly falls on the shoulders, not only of dads, but on the shoulders of pastors and churches to ensure that their people are taught. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We can't expect people to do what's right if we haven't taught them what's right. And so uh, I think you've made some great points today on this topic. And, uh, I think it's a good goal to make masculinity great again. Well, and let me just quickly say this, you know, we're thinking about examples in scripture. The ultimate example of a godly man is Jesus Christ. David and the apostle Paul were manly men, but they failed. They failed in their adult life. Uh, but if you want to look at the supreme example of godly manhood, look no further than the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, But hey, thank you guys for listening today. We pray that this is a help and a blessing to each of you. May the Lord bless you.